This is The Dish, the Medical Laboratory Professionals Association of Ontario's podcast. This is a sponsored episode, part of our partnership with Nova Biomedical. Nova is one of our incredible sponsors this year, helping the MLPAO provide learning and advocacy for our members. Because this is a partnership podcast, we took the opportunity to explore how a laboratory instrumentation developer works with labs. We spoke with our global sales product line manager, Brad Bolin, about innovating in the pandemic, how they collaborate, and how medical laboratory professionals inspire what they do. My name is Brad Bolin. I am the global sales product line manager for uh, Nova Biomedical, a large uh, in vitro diagnostics company. My background is in clinical in nature. I'm a neonatal respiratory therapist. I graduated a university that that was uniquely focused on respiratory care and and cardiology, essentially. Uh, My degree is in cardiopulmonary physiology, and my career has really been focused on that ever since I graduated. I always took a, uh, a unique business approach, having uh, started my own company and, and kind of evolved into a role here at Nova Biomedical that, that really blends the two, uh, the clinical as well as the business. And, and that's really what I try and accomplish in, in my day-to-day uh, responsibilities here at Nova, a blend between clinical and business. Amazing. So. Yeah, well, and I think we're going to talk a little bit about how those two relate to each other later in the interview. But just to start out, um, we've been recently through this very big year. Um, COVID-19 has affected all of us, both in the laboratory and personally. Um, And I'm just wondering what kind of new developments you're most excited about kind of coming out of this year. To take a step back from an R&D and a development standpoint, some of the really exciting things is is the rapid application of of what technology can do with regard to diagnostic tools, specifically for COVID. That's kind of outside of the wheelhouse with regard to Nova. However, what Nova has seen from a development and a diagnostic tool perspective is really how diagnostics has been used globally and how we've been able to really impact patient care during this extreme time of need. Utilizing unique features and benefits of a diagnostic tool that maybe was underutilized prior to. Uh, Unique assays, different calculated parameters that that we've had. Uh, What we've also seen is a change in, in clinical practice in emerging markets where folks maybe got by with older technology and with the advent of COVID and a lot of the respiratory and significant uh, illnesses associated, clinical demand really required newer technologies and these advancements be utilized. Now, where these regions have seen the advancement and, and the application improve patient care and patient outcomes, Now we've seen that that evolution of clinical care really developed to the point where it's now the standard of care, whereas before it was almost the exception. 
So right. we've really seen that that evolution and that growth of technology really maximizing the value of what is out there and, and how to apply it in the best way possible to impact patient care. That That's really what we've been excited about. Not only that, but uh, we, we've also tasked our R&D team to really look at how we can improve what we're doing and how we're doing it to really address this type of pandemic and how we can better better address these things moving forward. So it's been a learning experience for, for us, for Nova, for myself as well, uh, but as well for the clinicians out in the field. MLPAO members, our, our membership, are medical laboratory professionals who have been really working hard on testing and will soon be wrestling with backlogs as well. So I'm wondering if you can uh, talk a little bit more about the relationship between what you do as a laboratory instrumentation developer and those medical laboratory professionals who've been using those products. So how does that back and forth work? It's an interesting relationship in that I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for medical lab professionals. In fact, while I was at uh, at university, my first exposure to medical lab uh, individuals was during microbiology. It was my first exposure to microbio, and I thought how how cool it was what medical lab professionals did and and just the the broad responsibilities. Uh, in fact, it was it was very eye opening. I did a, a short stint uh, with my professor at uh, Brigham and Women's Hospital, which is a large uh, university hospital here in Boston, Massachusetts. I found it incredibly interesting, and and I hold a, a great reverence for lab professionals and and what they do on a day to day basis. One of my goals and and one of my real wants in in product development in the laboratory space was to design instrumentation, not only from a functionality perspective, but from a menu perspective as well. You know, if you're having to split multiple samples to get a critical care result to really give a total patient assessment, that doesn't make much sense to me. Quite honestly, laboratory professionals don't necessarily want to be maintaining instrumentation. Uh, they want to be doing the stuff outside of that. And that really comes down to a lot of the challenges in the hospital setting in this day and age, having to do more with less, you know, less individuals, less, less funding, less all, all this stuff. I believe in spending as much time in the field as possible, speaking with laboratory professionals understanding what their wants, needs, and challenges are, and quite honestly, putting instrumentation out in the field to get their input, understand what works, what doesn't work, what would they change. In fact, product development is a constant evolution. When we launch a product, it doesn't stop there. Uh, When we get it in front of laboratory professionals, and and have them working on it the, the best innovations that we brought to the products that i represent have really come from the field it comes down to the ability to quickly react uh, and that's one of the great things that i love doing working with the company i work for nova is it's a very rapid change and addressing my wants and concerns being voiced from the customer from the medical laboratory professionals. So from my perspective, a, a company needs to do that because we are nothing without our customers. 
And, and my customers are respiratory therapists uh, and, and more importantly, the lab professionals. They're the ones that are really focused on providing the, these results in a rapid fashion. And one of the main challenges that I often encounter is a lot of the regulatory oversight that, that needs to go on. And we really enter into new product development with that at the forefront. The regulatory guidelines that is really one of the main challenges that we encounter. And one of the main questions we get from lab professionals is, what do you do about X? And that X is really related to regulatory. It sounds like you almost form a bit of a bridge between the end user and the equipment they need to use and, and everything that would be involved in getting it to them. Absolutely. There's no point in developing something that people don't see value in in the field. So then kind of moving from the, the individual end user to a little bit broader, the laboratories and the hospitals, mm-hmm. how does that partnership work? What are some of those ways that you've worked with organizations and laboratories to make sure that they have what they need? It's a great question. Going from the, the micro to the macro, going from the individual user to the entire laboratory. The products that, that I've been involved with developing have, have really been focused on the critical care, the the care continuum in in an ICU setting that requires rapid turnaround time. We wanted to design instrumentation that is applicable both in a point of care setting as well as in a laboratory setting. Because oftentimes what we're seeing is that that point of care area is best monitored and controlled and operated by laboratorians. Uh, And I can speak being a respiratory therapist, uh, having worked in, in, in the ICU setting, I can barely spell QC. And, and I know that from a regulatory perspective, uh, from a laboratory perspective, that is one of the main things that you need to monitor with great, great focus. So from our perspective, from my perspective, being able to meet the needs and the clinical demands uh, from a laboratory director's position or a a medical director's position, having that understanding, being able to have an analyzer that universally can be applied in a point of care setting or in a laboratory and make sure that they're all communicating and connecting to assure that any of that that end user uh, requirement is minimized and to assure that that data that we're providing is 100% spot on accurate and consistent throughout the hospital setting. My goal was to really design instrumentation that would standardize throughout the hospital setting for critical care. And what we found is oftentimes because we have uh, one of the broadest menus in the marketplace uh, on our flagship analyzer, Oftentimes, we are used in times of high volume, uh, where it doesn't make sense to to put something on a a, a large chemistry analyzer. They'll just run it on this platform, on on our prime platform, to really simplify the entire process. Really meeting the overall analytical demand by having a real strong critical care menu including unique parameters, having automated quality control, and providing all that with with having a dramatic reduction in hands-on time. 
Um, when I first started in my clinical practice, I worked at a small hospital off of the coast of Massachusetts. And I remember spending three hours a day trying to keep an analyzer in QC and, and functional. And I, I thought to myself, there's got to be a better way. And if you would have told me 30 years later, I'd be doing, uh, I, I would be involved in that. I would have called you crazy. I'd be by the bedside the way that I, I wanted to be being able to provide the broad results and, and the analytical accuracy that we can provide in this day and age with almost a, a no maintenance or zero maintenance analyzer. It, it's really key. It really is. I'm wondering, you kind of mentioned it a little bit. Can we narrow into a bit of a case study? Like how does implementation look like in, in a laboratory setting or in a hospital? I always say that implementation uh, of any any type of analyzer in a hospital setting, uh, it, it's an N of one, right? Uh, if you know how one hospital works, you know how one hospital works. And if you're talking about multiple departments within a given institution, uh, now you're talking about multiple different applications and implementations. And that really comes down to uh, something that I highlighted earlier, kind of a, a standardization. And, and when I started at Nova, when when you follow and and, and you, you you experience what an implementation uh, requires and entails, um, you're literally taking an entire system and replacing it with another. All of the underlying responsibilities, the process procedures, the SOPs, everything that goes into that. It's, it's a remarkable, remarkable achievement to make that occur. The implementation from my organization, it's always an evolution in progress. We learn something on every new installation. If we encounter a challenge, recently we had a hospital that in one instance uh, in the emergency department, uh, we were standardizing across the entire institution on one of our platforms. They were doing an unsolicited uh, patient analysis. Their laboratory information system just was not built or designed to meet that demand. And we came up with, with three different configuration options for them and presented those in a format for which they could choose how to progress forward. From that experience, we actually took that and moved that into our applications and installation program just in case we run into that again. It's very rare, but it's something that we could have addressed had we understood their workflow slightly better in the beginning. And that's something that is key from a laboratory perspective is when new instrumentation is being scrutinized, implementation is at the top of the questions to ask. What does that look like? What does it mean to you? How, how can that process be simplified? We invest a lot of time and energy to have discussions, to better understand what the overall needs are uh, beforehand and that way, it best positions us as well as the hospital and laboratory for an overall successful implementation. 
right like what is the context that we're going to be actually yeah. and like yeah you can kind of have the the idea of the thing but then the actuality of putting it into operation is a whole other question right huge huge yeah so um just kind of drawing out a little bit then so one of the things that we've been looking at in our advocacy work as an organization is the shortage of mlts in ontario and mm -hmm. um, in our province, it's an issue kind of like across the world. <laughs> but um, in Ontario specifically, one of the compounding factors was that a couple of the MLT schools were shut down kind of under the assumption that instrumentation upgrades would just completely reduce the need for people. And we're seeing that that's absolutely not true. And it's really more kind of a bit of a collaboration between individuals and instrumentation as a product developer, as a an organization as a vendor, what are some of the things that you are looking forward to in the future of medical laboratories and how those two things will continue to work together? Yeah, and, and it's a great question. And I, and I see this both from a personal as well as a professional perspective, because being a respiratory therapist, respiratory therapy is going through the exact same contraction. We lost numerous respiratory therapy programs uh, throughout the U.S. And we've also seen uh, the same with, with uh, medical labra uh, laboratory professionals as well here. It's been mirrored uh, up in Ontario as well. The average age of MLTs and MLPs here in, in the States is fairly high. It's, it's, it's 51 or 52, I believe. And, and depending on if you expand that out slightly, it, it, it drops a, a little down to, uh, to, to the age of 46. But as we're getting older, and, and I can speak myself, we're constantly being asked to do more with less. Like I said earlier on, um, I think that the expectation on industry was that, well, you know, by the time we reach 2020, everything's going to be automated. And, you know, we're going to get, uh, you, you know, a thousand results off of a drop of blood, you know, thank you, Theranos, right? Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that, that, yes, we've improved the function of the analyzers, we've improved the technologies. Um, but there's always going to be a certain degree of of human intervention. And I want that because uh, one of the things that I always hold in, in great esteem is, is something that I learned from a professor of my, or actually a, a mentor, a, a, a cardiac surgeon. And his comment to me was, Brad, forget about the results. If you're looking at the patient and the results don't match, something's wrong, Yeah. right? And, and that applies to to the laboratory, it applies to the ICU. Uh, you know that that human intervention, that 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 understanding of of what we do as both laboratory professionals as well as as uh, in my case respiratory therapists. There's always a need there to to look and understand what we're what we're seeing, and and to apply that is 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 hugely important. So uh, yes, as, as a vendor, as a developer, um, we continue to evolve, but there's always going to be a component of the laboratory professional, right? That, that's never going away. And I don't really see that contracting much more, but 
I, I could be wrong. It wouldn't be the first time I was wrong today. But I, I think that from a perspective of what we do, you know, the importance is it's undeniable. It's undeniable. So. Absolutely. The number of times I've heard stories about an MLT was like, yeah, there was just this one thing that I noticed in the results that I was getting. And then I found out like a whole bunch of different things about like, like uh, maybe like an error the machine had or exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it really exactly. is like a, like a, a, a back and forth collaboration. I think people don't hopefully understand how much time it takes to like tinker and make sure that the results are right. Like this happened when in early COVID, when people were setting up those uh, testing systems and we kept mm -hmm. getting questions from members of the public and from media and from the government like why is it taking four days to get testing results and they don't right. understand that like it to put in a, an array it takes a lot of work yeah. to like it, set up a lab and find the space and get the machines and get the equipment and get the different like solutions and those kind of things in place. right and it's funny because it's funny you say that because um you know oftentimes when when you speak to somebody that that maybe doesn't understand the everything that goes into a test result. And it's like, listen, it's not as simple as just writing down a number on a piece of paper. If you understood the technology and and what goes into what that what that looks like, it's it's incredibly complex, incredibly complex. Both from a, an electrochemical perspective, I mean, it just, it would blow your mind if you understood how complex things are. And even then you still get that glaze of, well, yeah, but I just want my result very quickly, right? Yeah. It just goes into the machine, you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. I get, I put something in, I get it number out, right? Yeah. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to say nothing of making sure that that result is accurate every it's time. It's accurate. Exactly. Someone exactly. needs to run the machine. Yeah. Panel. Yeah, listen, I can give you a number. It's not going to be accurate, <laughs> but I'll give you a number. If you want a number. I'll yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Five. How about that? <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share? I, I can't convey enough uh, the, the, the gratitude that I have uh, towards uh, laboratory professionals. And uh, thank you for the opportunity. Of, of coming on and, and kind of sharing uh, a little bit about a, a manufacturer's perspective. And, uh, I, I, and I'd like to further thank uh, during this, uh, this time of COVID, laboratory professionals are at the forefront. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I often say that, that nobody, nobody ever thanks a lab professional because they're, they're in the background. And, and they're doing the, the real yeoman's work of getting a result that clinicians are acting on. So I just want to say thank you to everybody and, and thank you for helping coordinate this. And uh, I really appreciate this forum. Thank you so much for your support and thank you for your awards about our members too. I, they, we call them the hidden heroes, but hopefully they're coming a little bit more out into the spotlight now. So yeah, I hope so. That's hope awesome. So. Right. Thank Thanks, you. Fred. The Dish is recorded, produced, and edited in Hamilton on the Niagara Escarpment. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Please let us know if you'd like us to add a platform. 
Season three of The Dish will feature untold stories from medical laboratory professionals across Ontario. If you'd like to share a story with us, please contact us at mlpao at mlpao.org. We'd also love to hear any feedback or responses that you might have. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for everything you do and stay safe.